Hey. What's that? <laughs> what is this? Oh my God, stop. What do you think, Bobo? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Bowie. You're being rude. She's guarding her secret little spot on your lap. <laughs> I guess so. She's like, Bowie looks like he thinks that might be a good place. <laughs> oh, those ears are so good. Oh, the hair, the sweeping ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, wow, I'm... where did she come from? He's a he. Oh, he's a he, sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. From the rescue shelter, but my cousin had him. Yeah. But they couldn't really take care of him because they have two kids and they work yeah. full time and it was just too hard. So I said, I'll take yeah. Were you looking for a dog? Or no. Just... And it was right before the quarantine too. Yeah. And now they regret it because they're home. Right. <laughs> and you're like, sorry. Sorry, he's mine. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's the best. He's a little nugget. Yeah, we definitely felt like Bowie had an adjustment when we were all home. Oh, all really? You know? Yeah. Because did you take her with you when you went to LA? No. Oh. So Bowie is also a he, so we have two he dogs. Oh, okay, okay. And no, I mean, I didn't go to L. I would go to LA. The way the schedule worked pre-pandemic for a year or two here was that when Nick worked in Santa Monica, he would go to LA Monday morning, stay with his parents in Echo Park, and Tuesday his parents would come up here, watch the kids, I go to LA for Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we'd have Tuesday night together in LA when I'd come back. So we didn't have time when Bowie was here for very long, but he's just the size difference that with D. That he's unpleasant to take along everywhere. Mm-hmm. What was his adjustment that he had to you guys well, figure I, out? I'm trying to think now. My God, now that it's like a year ago, I've been starting to think about because I'm like, what was happening in March? Mm-hmm. And what were the things, the little signs that this was coming? But the adjustment was like, he couldn't really settle. Mm. You know, he was kind of like, what are you all? And I'm not sure that he didn't like it. It was just like, should I be following you? Uh. Should I be with this person or that person? Or just a disruption to the routine. Right. That was, but I think he's happy we're all here together. I'm sure. For the most part. (laughs) Yeah. Think about all the dogs. And oh, they're just left all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we can definitely take a lesson from them now and just like what it is to just be home all the time mm-hmm. and be excited to go for a walk mm-hmm. around the neighborhood. <laughs> What's my outing today? Yeah. <laughs> Who am I going to see on the sidewalk uh-huh. and sniff at from a distance? The most social activity I get is at the dog park with him. Yeah. Otherwise, I keeps myself in LA yeah where are you living so you'd been in New York Mm -hmm. for how long for three years I was there okay not very long wasn't that was it yeah I was gonna say was that like eight years no but before that I was in Mexico and Bali okay that's why it feels so long okay you were just away from LA for a good chunk of time okay New York and then I got this job 
I wanted to transition into music because I was doing set design. Yeah. And so I got this job with someone and the job was to go on tour with him to Europe. So I did that. My grandmother passed away when mm-hmm. I was there and I also was so over it. Yeah. You, you know, I can't, I don't have the patience inside for narcissism. Mm-hmm. I realized, okay, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was my reason of coming back. Yeah, it's like a necessary evil to have if you're going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you've got to have that quality of thinking you're the best. It's just Otherwise, exhausting. how can you do it? <laughs> True. Yeah, so that was enough. Mm-hmm. And your grandmother was here in LA, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be close to my family, so I've been here about yeah. three years. Yeah. And good to be close to your family. Yeah. I also love LA and yeah. the weather and the farmer's markets, but I'm also planning my exodus because I'd like to live in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in a year or two, I'll be able to do that. Yeah. And you like to keep moving. I do, but I also love the island and I think I yeah. want to stay there. That might be the place. Yeah. Yeah. The journey might be, that might be the treasure chest at the end of the, at the end of the adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, find a farm, grow all my fruits and vegetables. Nice. And work with the internet. Yeah. That's the goal. So has this time also pushed you more online? Yeah. Yeah. Accelerated that. Yeah. Yeah. I've only had a few clients to where I've had to be on set. And other than that, it's been Zoom calls and Mm -hmm. presentations that are just being sent back and forth. Yeah. And I love it. I love not having an interface with that many people. It's not necessary. (laughs) I've been saying this to my couple people recently that I think this is one of the main things that's just calmed my nervous system. Mm. It's like the amount of people we used to have to, yeah, be in contact with every day. And their problems, their issues, having to yeah. solve them. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't think that I didn't like it, you know? Right. But I was, like I said, like my nervous system was out of whack. And it does feel important to me to have this web of community. And that's one of the things I felt like, felt like after a year or two in Ojai now, I sort of had that. But I'm not sure how, I'm just questioning how much I needed that, how much I needed the contact with the parents, you know, at pickup and the conversations with the teachers and the people at the athletic club and the people at the yoga studio and the coffee shop and the grocery store and then the work people and the friends and the families. It's a lot. Yeah. And I felt like, I almost felt, I want to say proud that I had this because it, it was an effort when I got to Ojai and we had not lived here. And I had come from places either living in LA where Nick is from or living on the, in New England where I'm from and always having these kind of like deep rooted networks. So moving here in that first year or so especially with the kids I think I felt the need to like for example you have to fill out emergency contact forms for the children school Mm -hmm. and I didn't know when to put Mm -hmm. and that's not exactly true I had I could come up with some people 
But in the past, it was just like my parents Mm -hmm. or Nick's parents or a friend from life. Mm -hmm. So there was, it just felt, okay, I have to have this web for the kids. And a lot of that is about, with kids, it's about especially when they were as young as they were when we moved here. I mean, they were old enough to be going off to friends' houses without me, which is fabulous, but I need to know the parents Mm -hmm. still. So there was a lot of that kind of work that was like connecting with people that I wasn't necessarily setting out to become friends with myself, but just knowing these people enough to have a common understanding and feel comfortable mm-hmm. in the kid realm. And then I was setting up a yoga studio here too that year. Light and space. Yeah, light and space that I co-own with Serge, who was a teacher at Yogala for a long time. And he had started to move up here also. It was like in those sort of back and forth to LA years at first because he was really rooted there and but his mom had moved up here and he had started to spend a lot more time here and felt like this is where he wanted to also be for the next 30 years or so like this may be my Hawaii Mm. so yeah he asked me to partner on that for some financial investment in the studio and also just some like consulting from somebody who's done it before Mm mm-hmm so that year also we were setting that up and that was a lot again of like, okay, who are the teachers here? Meeting them and Serge did a lot of it, but just like the landscapers, who owns the building, like all of that, the networks that you need to set up something like that and to start something like that and to have our business feel like it's integrated into the community. So it was really heavy actually the last couple of years mm. on and meanwhile, still having Echo Park and uh, Yogala there to be part of, have a whole other web. Yeah, and being a mother and being a wife. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Yeah. But I do, I also I think some of the ease has felt like, okay, I've kind of, a feeling I've had in that period too, like, oh, I've arrived at my life. I have the a career in an area that I care so much about and it's flowing and I have a, an amazing husband who been with for 20 years so we've gone through all sorts of ups and downs and bumpiness and navigated so much and two kids who are wonderful and bigger you know and not so needy mm-hmm. And then Bowie and a home is the first home we've owned. So it felt like, okay, a lot of things kind of are set up. And now there's so much like growing and nurturing and all that to do in them. But they're the things. And also this sweet spot in life where my parents, Nick's parents are older but healthy. And we have kids, so we're in between and we can see this beautiful relationship happening with the two of them mm. or with the, with the generations. Mm-hmm. And that's a sweet spot too. I bet. What's more fulfilling than that and watching the lineage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and being in this place in it where I'm not, because I've watched my mom you know, take care of her mom as she was going through the final years of her life and passing and then her older sister. So and I am very different than my mom and things land on me in a different way and I'll navigate it certainly differently, but that is a serious burden. I don't know how much you saw like with your grandmother's passing and those that final time or if you were not here yeah yeah she got to the point where I had to bathe her and she couldn't eat on her own anymore yeah she refused to wear diapers because of her pride even though she couldn't hold it in right yeah so it's just that's not something I'm exactly looking forward Mm -hmm. to and so, but I do recognize it's coming, hopefully in a long time. It could be a really long time still, but it's not like this always where everyone is healthy and right. in a good place. And we're dealing with minor, relatively minor disturbances. So that's definitely added to this. For a while also, I'll say I was concerned that these this sweet spot was just an a little like high that was just destined to fall and I remember Serge saying to me because I was saying like I think I was like I don't really get how everything can be good you know and it's not that I've endured so many hardships in my life or like in some way like prone to tragedy if that's such a thing but maybe that's where some of that anxiety came in just like feeling like I've got to keep this good going because if I'm not holding it up something bad could just ruin it and now clearly I mean something bad could happen and will but I don't have this Yeah, I don't have anxiety about that happening. It's more like a pleasure that it's not happening Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And really being able to feel that pleasure of it being good while it is. And almost like being filled up on it. What do you think it was that got you to that place? Was it the realization of not being in control because of the pandemic? I think that's a huge part of it. Mm. I mean, there are other things, but yeah, this has just put us right in such a, we don't know, we're not in control. And I like, I love to think about how last March, they were like, take your kids home for the rest of the week. They just packed a backpack as though they were going home literally for a week, maybe two, maybe till the end of spring break. And it's a year later and they're not in, I mean, some, somewhat in school, but that the school that they were at is not, is, is just open for two days a week for students. So yeah, I mean, that, that was one of those things. And that just showed over and over again. That's a perfect example of this idea of, okay, two weeks, no four weeks, no three months, no beginning of next school year, no actually maybe next year or maybe not. So I, yeah, I definitely feel like we just 
I don't know if, you know, how much people, other people took it like this, but yeah, this real life course in, in we're not in control. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. And then, yeah, I think also like this, just realizing how, I mean, I spent a lot of time during this just so upset about how much people were suffering and suffering disproportionately in this. And I even felt enraged myself as someone who was, whose business was directly affected. People couldn't come to the studio almost right away. And then struggling to do what I could to keep that working for one thing, I put 10 years into that business. For another thing, several people were and still are employed there as like their main source of income. And it was just also such a beautiful thing in the community. I was really struggling to make that work, dealing in the, the same thing in that business realm with, okay, you can't open, no, you can be open with this amount, with that amount, doing this thing, doing that thing. And so we're just pivoting, as they say, all over the place. Meanwhile, the kids are at home. Their online schooling is the teachers and the school programs are trying to figure out how to do that. That's changing constantly too. So not only are the kids home, they're not in a flow of what online schooling can be. And just feeling the weight that like so many women in this time were feeling of, I've worked so hard for this. I was barely holding on to being the full time, the primary caregiver for the kids, the most of the time caregiver for the kids working. That was already such a precarious balance one in which I often felt like I was not doing enough in one realm or the other. And then the rug was just pulled out. Now your business can't be open. The funding or whatever support that is maybe coming is difficult to get, takes too long. And I will say I did find help in that realm but it was not easy. And then also in just like changing, well, so then, and then the kids being home. So, and then dealing with the emotional, physical dilemma of the pandemic and not knowing, like, do you have to wash the groceries? Can the kids see a friend? Like everything in question. So just, and being scared too, scared for my parents, scared for myself all of those things. So it was just, just felt like this totally untenable thing. And I was really angry for myself and just for so many other women and, and people, but feeling it particularly in this realm of working to kind of have it all as they say, and then just being the first ones to like take, take the burden. Yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what the question was, but <laughs> we got through a lot. 
I do want to know though how and why you opened Yoga La. Yeah. And, and your beginnings yeah. of finding yoga and what inspired you to bring that into the community. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking about it and it's just like one of my favorite times or kind of examples of like flow, like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So I had, and parts of this story are like a little bit well-worn, like I've told this story oh, before, oh. you know? And so I'm just going to try to really tap into what it was and not kind of go to the grooves of the story. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I had gone to college in Massachusetts and majored in architecture and film. But when I got out, I wanted to produce movies. So I came to L.A. with Nick, who was from L.A. We had met in college and was working toward that end. So working at talent agencies, working at production companies. I worked at Universal for a good chunk of time for a really successful producer and then went to work for some more... I went to work for an indie direct, like doc director in in New York, in where it was in Rockaway. I think that's oh. cool, like Queens, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah. South. Yeah, way on the like way at the beach. Yeah. He was in Soho, but the oh. first week of the job, I moved the office from Soho to Rockaway. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> you didn't get to have a city experience? Not ideal as like a 26-year-old. It's a far train ride. Anyway, he ended up being a real psycho, like a lot of the people I had worked for, but mm. this guy was just beyond, and the job paid like nothing. Mm-hmm. I was at least used to being paid well and having mm-hmm. benefits, and... And then I went to work, so that didn't last long, but it was more in the area that I wanted to be in, like indie documentary possibly, or like just art, you know, art style movies. So then I got a job working for Wes Anderson, which was right up my alley as far as just like auteur style filmmaking. And so at this point, I've gone through maybe five or six jobs in that industry and just even for Wes, which was sort of like a dream job, and even the person I worked for before Wes, Brett Morgan, who's an amazing documentary filmmaker, I was not either like unhappy working for the people or was not finding like my niche. Like wet for Wes, for example there was just no room for other creative input, which is part of why his work is what it is and part of why we love it. But you could sort of be an assistant with a different title forever is how I felt at the time. And Nick and I got married and I got pregnant. And that really wasn't in alignment with what Wes needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and during that time while I was pregnant, I did a yoga teacher training at Yoga Works in New York City. Oh, so you were practicing at this time already. So yeah, I should say that back in college is when, so I had danced ballet 
for my childhood and through high school. Mm. And when high school ended, I was sort of like, well, I'm not going to be a professional dancer here, which I'd kind of known all along, but it still was something that I did every single day for hours. And it was just such an important piece of my existence. So when I graduated from high school, went to college at Wellesley, and there was no dance program to even kind of, I spent a good while kind of like, what do I do with myself physically that's going to be this kind of outlet? And at the time, I'm not thinking this consciously. I'm just like lost, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, in so many ways. But And an Iyengar class was offered at at school, and I took it. And before that, I was just remembering actually a, a, a woman that I had worked for a few summers before I remember her saying the the people with the best bodies do yoga. I didn't even I didn't know what yoga was at this. I, I was aware that there was something yoga, something all these different forms of exercise. But this is like in the time where I'm looking for something new to do with my body. And she says this the people with the best bodies do yoga, and I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I'm interested at this point in my about 20 years old in having a great body. So this is piques my interest. So then it's offered at Wellesley and I take the Iyengar class and I just remember afterwards feeling what so many people feel when they have that click moment of yoga. Like, wow, I am in my body and it feels excellent. Like It feels so (laughs) good to be here. And I had struggled with that a lot in that like interim time. And even ballet is not an easy thing on the body plus the kind of a mental component and it struggled somewhat with like eating disorders, not eating enough. There's just a lot of like not feeling so good in my body. So that that piece of it was really striking. And that was the very first class I ever took. And a lot of people do have that experience, I think, where it's their very first class. But some people have to take many different styles. I still, Iyengar is still just the tops for me. I mean, I love a flow, however, and they don't, it's not, it's not in there so much, but that alignment, that precision really spoke to and still speaks to me. Luckily here in Ojai, there's an excellent Iyengar teacher and studio, which has mm. I've not been to in this time. I don't think there have anything happening. I can see why, though, for you as a dancer for your whole life to have that precision. Totally. And structure mm-hmm. and your bones in the right spot. Yeah, yeah. that technique. Yeah. And I think, too, and learning about, learning about this at in Yoga Works, the training, you know, there was philosophy and history of yoga. And when I think about that, Iyengar was designed for this sort of weak character who needed to kind of build up the strength. Like, it's not that I have ever felt weak, but I've felt more like someone who needs to build stability. Less in my, like, physical way of being but more in just the way that I am in the world, which is constantly moving around, whether it was like moving from place to place, literally, 
or running around after kids or just there was this go, go, go quality. So the Iyengar method where you really were just like, hold this. And Bikram yoga, I did a lot in that time too. That was so widely available. Iyengar was hardly available and still is sort of hard to find. But Bikram was all over the place then. You could find a studio in any city I went to, New York, Boston, LA, there was Atwater, like, and even driving across country, I remember stopping, you know? And that spoke to me too, because it was similar. You just got in a pose and stayed in it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of set sequence, like there was this stabilizing, grounding, just be still piece to it that I still feel like is good for me and helping to just slow things down and in the way I teach now too it is a flow I mean I love like the dancer kind of quality of moving from pose to pose and keeping the whole thing in a graceful kind of rhythm but I love for myself and for others keeping them in a place for a while okay so you got pregnant you got married you left Wes you did your teacher training mm-hmm. this is all happening all at the, the same, same time. time there's that's not the order uh-huh. but like that's happening we're living in Brooklyn I lived in Williamsburg in a, a studio apartment that costs two thousand dollars a month I remember and just thinking this is insane and The day James was born. So I'm sort of transitioning out of working for Wes. And I start working for my aunt who is building some boutique hotels in South America. And I start to just do some work for her. Sourcing and buying interior things that they need. Fabrics and coffee pots and rugs and furniture and things to to ship down to Uruguay to, to fill these places out. And she's in Connecticut. So we go and live, after James is born, we go and live there, stay there. And then at some point, we want to come back to L.A. So this was one of these cross-country trips. And literally along the way from, you know, New York to L.A., I'm like, what am I going to do when we get there? I can't, I'm not going back to Hollywood work One of the major things I saw or didn't see in that field was a woman who had a life that I wanted to have. Mm, Yeah. So I I both hadn't found my like flow, shall we say, in that world, even though I had an amazing time and learned so much about so many things that would help me actually in running a business and managing people and so many of of the business side of things and the kind of production of owning and running a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to do that when I get back because what I've seen is 14, 18 hours a day. I mean, people struggling to keep a boyfriend or not seeing their children. And I just knew that wasn't going to... I. Yeah, it wasn't going to be right for me. And I frankly hadn't found a piece of it that I loved so much that it was that that magnetic to me. Yeah, driving back, I'm like, what am I going to do when I get there? And And both Nick, my husband and now boyfriend of 
nearly 10 years at this point. And my mother, I don't know whether they had said it at some point, but it was like, they knew what I should do, but I couldn't, like, I hadn't kind of come to it myself. And, but when I did come to it, it only confirmed that it was a good idea for Mm. me when they were like, yes, obviously. Mm. And we've been saying this, but I hadn't heard it. Mm. (laughs) No, I just like, I hadn't heard it. And it was open a yoga studio. And I had no, you know, before when we were visiting Echo Park to see Nick's parents, we lived in Silver Lake for a few years in our early 20s. And then we had gone to this Brooklyn, Connecticut stint and then come back. Anyway, in those years, Echo Park was changing and fixed the coffee shop had moved in and people were just coming like down the hills pouring down and like just wanting to hang out you know and so I was like Echo Park really needs a community space or more community spaces and I was sort of thinking it should be around children at the time because I had a small child and those looked like I was meeting a lot of those kind of people or other people with small children so I was thinking maybe it should be that and then when I did this yoga teacher training I think that sort of layered on top of the idea of Echo Park needing some place and then yoga became the thing that that place was around and I looked I thought maybe it should be a kids yoga place at first because there was just so much yoga around I mean I had gone to practice it still quite a lot in the in the years before that and there was Silver Lake yoga still is there was Earth was kind of on the border of Silver Lake and Echo Park. Was that the one on Sunset? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that no longer exists. But there was kind of plenty, So, and there wasn't much retail space available in Echo Park either. So sort of like this might be a way to have a little niche. It's a kid's yoga place that can be a little smaller. It could work better for the schedule. It's just like after school's days. I don't remember if that what happened was anyway we saw the space available in Echo Park and I I thought this is too big it's too raw it was it had been a set design shop so it was like a warehouse space like all concrete floors I mean just not nice at all like Mm -hmm. wires hanging from the ceiling decrepit walls totally open no heat no ac the doors barely locked like the bathroom was disgusting was just but nick was like no this is it because it was big and it did have like the skylights and the tall ceilings and the location in echo park on the side where his parent, where he felt so attached. And he had gone to uh, school with the landlord's daughter. And so oh. they, and they'd also, the landlord and his, and his wife, or I mean, they both, I suppose, own the place. They, they had been in Echo Park a long time, mm-hmm. same as Nick's parents. Mm-hmm. So there was some connection there. And he gave me what, what felt like a pretty good deal. And I signed a five-year lease. So for five years, we could really kind of like dig in mm-hmm. and get started. And then you guys built it out. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Wow. What so, is it yeah, now? We had, I don't know. Oh. I'm, I don't know. Didn't, did you only have it for five years? I no, feel like you had it for ten. longer. So okay. literally, I mean, so we closed in, we closed that location at the end of October. Mm. So pretty recently. Mm. And frankly, after 10 years, so I then, we had, I think $20,000 or so saved I borrowed $20,000 from my aunt who I had been working for back in Connecticut. And we probably put twenty dollars or $30,000 on credit cards and did a lot, but like the bare minimum mm-hmm. also. It's expensive to build a place out. Crazy. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, we did the place in, in Ojai, Light End Space. Mm-hmm. That was a... A car mechanic it had been a gas station and then converted to just a mechanic shop and he was restoring cars in there so it was a similar situation where this was like just a workspace Mm. and we transformed that but that we did just all in one go where yoga literally so we did that round of of kind of cleaning it up spent that much money and then literally over 10 years. I mean, we just in the beginning we put in we put in bamboo floors and we created two studios and the lobby space. So we built the wall, built and Nick did most of it. Mm-hmm. Put in bamboo floors, cleaned up the walls, the ceilings. And that's how much, you know, replaced the toilet and the sink, maybe painted and that's how much that cost there was no heating no air no lights we had a lamp plugged in the wall and for years afterwards we just added to it over time and a lot we were living with family for most of that 10 years whether it was in LA or on the east coast so most of what the studio made was just put back into like either fixing things, enhancing things, keeping it all flowing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, finally, after 10 years, I sort of felt like, oh, this is, you know, it's a really old building. So there were things that were just never going to be, especially with not owning it ourselves, that weren't just never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But it was really good, you know, yeah. right, right then. <laughs> and we even took the risk at the at in April of last year, when the pandemic is on, we have to be closed. We're like, I made a calculated risk at that point. Like if we are going to be able to open, we're an extra hand washing station would be great. Plus we'd kind of been wanting a sink that was outside of the bathroom for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to redo the lobby floors, which were concrete and we had sealed a long time ago, but we wanted to do another layer of just making them kind of smooth and nice and Mm -hmm. lighter. So we we did that in April oh, just because wow. we were like, you know what? There's not going to be a time when people aren't here. Yeah. And when this is over and people come back in, we want it to feel like fresh mm. and clean and exciting, you know, because we're already recognizing like people are going to be different after this and mm-hmm. want things to be different now that we are so far from any of that, that I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but... Yeah, so in the beginning, it was the bare minimum of like what was needed. But 
people were, and this was something that was amazing about Yogala and was again, just like in the flow, that people were so open to this, you know, and it wasn't that they hadn't been to fancy yoga studios before. They were just so grateful to have, I mean, this is for the people who kept coming back. I don't know. Some people may have thought differently and just never come back. But for the most part, what we saw with that community was people who are just open to being in process. And we had, you know, I think that was also how a lot of our teachers were. We had a lot of newer teachers, including myself. I hadn't taught a class until I taught at Yogala. And a lot of our teachers were newer, if not brand new, and taught all sorts of styles. And again, we just saw people that were open to like, okay, what do you got for me? I'm here to experience what you're sharing. And that was really inspiring too, that kind of meeting us where we were and not feeling like, oh, we've got to. And then there was a joy in making improvements Mm -hmm. and then people would appreciate that, but they just never were wanting it to be more than it was. I was a really grateful, beautiful community there. And one of the teachers, Andrew McFarlane, who taught there for a few years. I don't know if you had any overlap with him. He's a beautiful man. Taught a beautiful class. He said to me at some point, because I was struggling with so much of this. I hadn't done any of these things before. And getting so much support from the people who would come in, including you. And one of the things he said to me that really stuck was, look, when you are authentic with them, it allows them to be authentic also. And that feels great. And I thought about that so many times. Mm. And yeah, that's what we had that was different and that so many people responded to. I mean... Everyone's being themselves. Everyone's being themselves. Where else does that exist? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, you can do yoga, but that was just something to do to be ourselves in. Just some like... I mean, I believe in yoga. It was always a, such an easy sell for me because it was so much, even at, at that point, even after eight or 10 years of practicing, I guess that was about 10 years of practicing for me. It was just so much a part of me. And I felt like not everyone has to love this style or that style, but I really believe and still do that there is something for everyone in it. And... Luckily, that that breath of teachers came. Someone, people who taught Kundalini and Yoga Nidra, all all sorts of varieties that they shared super authentically. And what that's one of the things I would say to teachers, and certainly a major thing that you brought was, what are you practicing? What do you? What moves you in this moment? Like, just share that with with your students, and and the students really were open to that. And yeah, I think that there's so much truth in that being authentic and allowing others to be their authentic self. Mm-hmm. And this practice that only helps you become more authentic mm-hmm. when done. I mean, you could definitely see cases where it has not been 
shared in a way that makes people feel more like they can be individuals. But here it, it did seem to work like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's one of the things I'm the most proud of from that experience and that what happened with that community. And now it still goes on in this time. It's very kind of like low level, kind of quiet online. And I felt so much closure around like this 10 years and closing the physical space, Mm -hmm. especially after, like I said, it was so done Mm -hmm. in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like finally arrived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You even did the floors. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've just been like thinking about that for like years, but you know, just physically, but in other ways too. In some ways in the last few years there, you know, I, and I had been checking in with this over time because I'd lived in, I'd lived in Connecticut for five years in this 10 year period while Yogla was open. Then I moved here to Ojai. So I'm not even in the neighborhood. And so I was checking in with it kind of regularly, like, should I, is this what I should be doing? You know, does this make sense? And always the answer would come back like, this is flowing, like this is working. And I would put energy and attention into it. It was always with me, like the way a child is always kind of with me, but it wasn't that much work. So, and it was so much, I mean, I won't say it wasn't that much work. It wasn't unpleasant work. It was work I really enjoyed. And then when I would get to be there, it was overwhelming kind of like to be in the flow of what is happening when, you know, multiple people, so many people working there and doing their part, so many students. I mean, we had a really beautiful shop from the beginning. We had beautiful, sold some beautiful things and then that, all that sort of evolved over time, but that was happening and it was just never a question for me, like, should I just end this? But the answer to that question was always like, no, keep going, keep going, you know, do my, do, do my pieces because everyone else is still doing theirs. People are still showing up to class. People want to work there doing beautiful things. I can keep doing what I need to do to keep this flowing. And how do people find Yogala now online? How do they take classes? Well, yeah, it's still at our existing website, which was Yogala Studios and is yogalastudios.com. And there you'll see very clearly we've sort of shifted that all around so that it really reflects what we're doing now, which is the online live online classes where there's a teacher on the other end of a Zoom-like meeting And there are a couple of those classes a day, still sharing the variety of what yoga offers, like a vinyasa, a stronger vinyasa class, maybe a meditation, a nidra offering, a kundalini class, or like a gentler yin class. So those those sort of are the primary areas that we cover. And there are classes throughout the week that, that share all those things. People can do 
$5 for their first class. That's something that people can buy a pack of a certain amount of classes for or can happen in this unlimited sliding scale offering that I was telling you about. And then there's a video library component to it, which we've had started before the pandemic to start to have some recorded offerings for people and just to really accelerate it in this time. So we have a beautiful library of five to 35 minute you know, sessions, mm. some of which kind of target a certain mood or area of the body, a shoulders class or a tension release session or hip opening. And then some that are sort of more overall 20 or 30 minute flow practices. But that's part of the unlimited, the sliding scale unlimited, or people can just sign up for just the video library if that suits them better. It was a huge struggle to get that all going and it feels really lovely now. Not quite a sustainable business model, but pandemic times, Mm -hmm. (laughs) working great Mm -hmm. and supporting the community, bringing in new people, keeping me and some of our staff members in work, keeping teachers sharing their offerings. And we've also added some things here and there, like a week-long meditation series, virtually, sound baths, which have been offered in the park when when that feels like that aligns safely or online. So just trying to keep sharing some of the kind of beyond yoga practices, complementary pieces that we offered in studio. Is that the same with Light and Space or is Light and Space open to the public? Light and Space is in Ojai, Ventura County. So there are, the rules are slightly different, but we've never been able to be open in a way. Even if the... What I'll say is for Ojai, we've been able to have small groups in the studio for Reiki trainings or like a weekend retreat where people can have distance, can have all the precautions. When we tried to do that in Echo Park, people called the authorities on Uh, us. Like people, the energy here around... (laughs) <laughs> the situation is just way toned down yeah. from what I could feel in Echo Park and then what I experienced. And be um, beyond Echo Park also, but that's where I was. So there's just like a little bit more elbow room here for interpreting things and people being open. I mean, it's been so lucky for the community here because I see no shops closed oh really like there are no there are no empty storefronts Mm -hmm. like i was in venice the other day in an echo park it's like no man's land it's awful Mm -hmm. so here fortunately that has not been the case that's because the ventura county rules are slightly different but also we're just not as you know i think the population here is like 8,000 people like we've got a lot of space so you just that that tension is not plus I mean yeah this it's 
city. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. It is. It is. Every place has its own, I guess, conditionings of the mind mm-hmm. and what it grasps onto. Can we talk about your practice and your teaching? Yeah. What okay. do you love about practice? What does it give you? Well, in my old age. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I do feel like there was a young person practice. And then there was like we won't say old age, but like a postpartum practice and not just like post birth, I guess, but like post having children. Mm -hmm. So James was born in 2009 and then Sasha in 2012. So that's a good eight, 10 years that, that it feels like my practice has shifted to this way that I still feel and aim toward and like to share, which is a practice of majorly slowing down of, this was your word from a long time ago, unravel. Do you remember you had this word and this image of a tight ball of black thread that Mm -hmm. was unwinding? It, it, that was another thing that really left an impression on me. And That's what my practice became, like unwinding the tension so that I could get to the flow. And almost I could open up to the energy that was stored inside of me. And it still is about that for me. It still is about, I think of the practice, I mean, there's so much toning and kind of strength that happens, but I focus more on the opening up portion of it and the flowing portion because what I find is when my body my muscles and my bones and my breath start to open and flow the energy can move in me in a way that ignites the whole system for me and beyond me I mean I'm not sure I think I had already started to feel this shall we say, benefit of the practice before. When you take care of yourself in this way, you then, it's not just self-care, but it's about the the ring beyond you then gets this sort of uplifted energy that they can kind of meet or gets this better version of you that then does not add tension onto them and even beyond the immediate circle. But I really, so I think that was something that I was noticing a bit, but then in this like market period of after children, that became really clear because I was just interacting with people that were small, vulnerable, needy of me, exhausting me, (laughs) like (laughs) pushing me to my limits. So... You know, I was having to draw on this, like, whole other level of energy, of patience. And, like, they were directly affected by Uh how I was. So, yeah, and I find that I can open up to that when I, when the practice is really slow moving. Really slow moving. And there are holds and breath in a lot of places. 
Yeah. And I'll say even in those earlier years of practicing, that's in those, in those holds is when many, I had many a moment of, oh yeah, here's another layer to this opening. And like I said, I mean, I joke with my 11 year old daughter who's in puberty and knocking things over and her hormonal disruption. And Mm -hmm. I said, like my parents literally called me hurricane. And at some point through my, through those young teen and teenage years. And at some point my mom, I remember specifically had to sort of take me aside and say, look, you have to slow down. And she said it almost like you have to slow down. Otherwise you're going to die. You know, like it landed on me that way in this way that was like, whoa. And I didn't even really know what she meant because I was so accustomed to moving so quickly. Yeah, I really needed to undo a lot of that speed and the tension that was behind that speed by sitting still. Hi. Hi. And I think not only was there, you know, so much opening and happening in that, another thing I try to bring to my classes is not only does that open into places in your body, but it also shows you how to remain calm in difficult situations. And that was definitely one of the things I had been doing and one of the things that had spurred this fast movement and this constant need to change and what was going to happen next and go here and there. It was a lot about like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Let me go. Oh, that's uncomfortable. Let me break up with this person. Oh, that's uncomfortable. Let me stuff my face with something. So it it was also then and is still now a practice of like, when it's uncomfortable, it doesn't mean go faster or go away. And when you breathe into that and practice staying with it in your practice on your mat, this other level of opening can happen. But then in your life, what happens, right? When you, when you stay longer, I mean, like I said, I've been with Nick for 20 years. <laughs> I was also saying to my cousin the other day, like, I, were, I finally feel after this amount of time, domestic bliss. <laughs> you know, like it was not, we did not stay together because it was like always, he'll say it was bliss <laughs> for him. But, you know, it was not that after all this, all these, all these years, every moment was good. What's um, the secret to 20 years? Well... We have examples, both of us, of parents who have stayed together through thick and thin since their early lives. My parents started dating when they were 12, so like a long time ago (laughs) and very early on. And Nick's parents met in their, you know, late 20s or early 30s and are not married but together still into their late 70s. So we, and I have other examples too. So I think that that is a huge benefit to being able, or when people don't have that, Mm. I see why, because it's very hard to stay. (laughs) (laughs) Can I take a break? Yeah. Come here, Cody. Come on. Hi, sweetie pie. Littler ones kind of have to, I think, yeah. right? 
Because they don't just have the gravitas in their physical. Mm-hmm. Look at those teeth. <gasps> so dramatic. Uh, You're embarrassing me. Stop. <laughs> I love it in the paw on your oh, side. He like, never does that. Back off. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. So good. Yeah, we had dogs when I was little too, but it was not attached. You know, it's just like around, which mm-hmm. I thought was lovely, mm-hmm. like and just part of a family. But this is kind of like my dog. Yeah. And the bonding so is real. Intimate. Whoa. Where does he sleep? Everywhere? Every, yeah, kind of. Yeah. But usually on the, you know, on the bottom of somebody's bed. Mm-hmm. Either with Sasha or with James. Oh, with really? Us. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. You know, I would tuck Sasha in first. Then James, he would go to bed. Then we would, I would go to bed. Uh-huh. And, and Nick and he would go around and make the rounds too. Oh, my God. He knows. He knows. It's so, it's so, yeah, he has a purpose. Uh-huh. And it's has something to do with being with us, protecting us. Making you feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, and then also they're needy. I mean, not needy is not the right word because I needy to me is like a burden. But like he's scared when it's, I don't know. When thunder's been happening? happening. Yeah, like super windy or... You know, which is so sweet, or the fireworks when we—he's been—he's been in LA with us too. Like. Yeah. How old is he? We think maybe four or five at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he'll have a long life. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. He's nine. So old man over here. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. I am really excited to get back to teaching at a studio. Oh, yeah. What I do you miss? I do miss that. I miss adjustments, touching uh-huh. people. Uh-huh. I miss just walking between the students. Uh-huh. I miss the music, and I miss that je ne sais quoi energy mm. of practicing together I mean I always loved practicing together and only it's only been in this time and barely even in this time that I do anything on my own yoga wise like if I'm teaching an online class or I taught in the park the other day you do the class so much more as the teacher now since everyone is since I can't walk around and I can't touch people mm-hmm. And I've taken other people's online or in the park classes. And I meditate on my own somewhat. But I love the group practice of it. Yeah. Like if I'm alone, I'll take a walk. Yeah. You know? I even I have a Pilates reformer that we bought from the Pilates studio next to Yoga that was going out of business. Thinking, oh, I mean, going out of business. They left just before us in the pandemic. And I thought, well, we'll buy one of her machines and then we can have at least one-on-one Pilates happening here because she you know Tana's had a great business going just beside Yogala for a long for eight years I believe I love Pilates I love it all the tiny muscles yeah yeah Yeah. so if I'm just like doing something on my like I'll just call up a Pilates reformer video and do Uh that so yoga to me feels like this group Mm. thing and I don't know if it's you know in a not only yoga, but I practice, you know, in Connecticut, I had a studio that I would go to for f- 
five, five years solidly, plus many other years like in visiting there. I just loved the kind of the people watchingness of it too. Like I kind of, I kept to myself a bit in the studios that weren't mine. A lot of, like at the Iyengar studio here, for example, it was a lot of old ladies and oh. me. And I loved that. Yeah. Like, when do you get to tap into the old lady crowd? Yeah. Um, and in Connecticut, it was a little bit of, a little bit like that too. Older, mostly. Mm-hmm. And it relates back to dance, I think, too. Whereas like this, it's so different to me than dance, but it fills the same place in my life experience of like a physical practice that has this kind of like beauty and grace to it. There are many other physical activities, I think, that have these qualities. But for me, this really, the void of not dancing was filled by yoga in this way of like daily near daily disciplined practice that had this like exploration of the body happening. And I was used to doing that in a, in a group. So maybe it just is what I'm accustomed to, but just always found it so much more powerful, which again leads to like why it was so right for me to own a studio and Mm. own studios and share it this way. I would love to, however, answer your question about what's the secret to 20 yes, years. Yes, yes. Not that I know, but... You obviously do. I do. <laughs> I mean, it is a rare thing, mm-hmm. right? To be 40 and be with someone for 20 years mm-hmm. already and be happy about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the secret? It's not one thing, that's for sure. I was just um, noticing as I was coming back to sit here, there's Nick got lunch their onion rings like leftover you got a hamburger a coke and like onion rings uh-huh. from like the the greasy spoon and I wouldn't be caught daddy like yeah. I mean the last time I've had an onion ring and I have gotten <laughs> a little bit more just like not super disciplined but like, it just doesn't feel good to yeah. me you know so I bring it up because I think that's a piece of it it's like acceptance of like differences respect of differences not trying to change differences now there has been so much compromise over time too but there's more and more on at least I can say for myself on my side of things so much more like this is who Nick is and it's amazing to be able to watch him and experience life with him not wanting him to be anything that he's not. And I I guess I say that because I experienced that for a long time. And maybe it was that adjustments needed to happen. So that's one piece of just acceptance and allowance. Another thing is, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Let's see if it will come back to me, but I feel like it's kind of major. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking of, but that felt like the the main one because then there are just so many other pieces and it's a little bit about what I was talking about with the practice of just being with something uncomfortable here and there. And I, it's sort of not a modern way of thinking about being together, which I think is a lot of the reason people struggle with it is 
I really don't want to speak to like what they're thinking, but I wonder if one of the things people have been kind of taught and conditioned to in this era is if it's not right, move on. There's somebody else. I mean, to some extent, yes. And on the other side of that, I mean, I would have been gone so many times and I feel so great, just so lucky now or whatever it is that whatever was within me had me stay and him stay and work through it yeah and we're not big on like identifying an issue and talking through it or seeing therapists or but that that does help a lot of people but yes there was a commitment and I saw this in Nick early on just how hardworking he is how he is just not afraid of like dealing with something difficult and truly that was one of the qualities that I was like this is worth keeping like there are a few things that I was like yes and then there were a lot of other things and I'm sure there will be other things beyond that that make it a little rocky but the thing I was thinking of is and I don't know that this is some big secret, but the more that Nick is just a person in my life, a very important person, but just one person and not, I'm not putting all of my things on him, the better things are. So the more that I do have deep connections to friends or have other things I really care about going on in my life, I think that's part of what allows me to allow him to just be him too but that's another kind of idea I think people have in this time that we've been conditioned to for a long time that your partner needs to be this that and the other thing for you how is that fair right (laughs) and yeah we're getting this this is like now sort of being turned back on us but I feel like that was an idea when I was growing up that they should be you know and that we should be to them all of these things disney movie complex yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it's like a way it's a way of relieving pressure to have strong you know and it's not that there aren't moments but yeah i feel like that's a big one how does that translate to parenting in this day and age how do you parent how do you instill values and principles Mm. onto your little ones well again it's it's a similar for me it's similar in that I have all these ideas about how I want it to be or look like so many of us do we're starting out with something and we could say this about yoga too you know and and then it takes on a life of its own and it is its own person and these children are their own people and they don't want to wear what I bought for them (laughs) that I dreamed my children would wear or they don't want to eat what I think is the right thing or they want to watch something you know like and again it's like this bringing up Bebe which is is this like American mother who lived in France and she wrote a book about their kind of way of parenting and I remember one of the things they talked about was that there's a there's a kind of firm frame but within that it's there's freedom so there's kind of these outer boundaries 
And I really responded to that idea. And I do in a lot of the ways that I am in life from running a business to being in marriage to having children to friendships. It's like there's, I have a lot of freedom. I'm not like a controlly kind of person, but there is an edge. And that's how it is with the kids. I think they would say the same thing. And, and sometimes that's looked to my kids and even felt in myself like, oh, I'm just going along perfectly nicely and now I'm screaming my head off at them for something that 10 minutes ago they were kind of like getting away with. But it's because they've hit that edge and I've kind of learned how to tell them they're getting close to the edge Mm. and not losing my temper with them so much. And that framework, you know, when they're little, it's so much about just keeping them safe, getting them fed, putting them to bed, getting them dressed. And now as they're older, I feel like there's more, you know, and being the kind of person I want them to be and surrounding them with people that that I appreciate and love and when it, just exposing them to things that I think have values that they should know about. And then as they get older, I find there is more of these moments where it's like I can explain to them a value or, I mean, one of the things with James, our 11-year-old, is she's, she needs a lot of time by herself. And that's not the way the world is set up. So that's something we've always sort of had to protect, or I felt protective of for her. And what that looks, you know, looks like a lot of time in her room, she reads an enormous amount, listens to books on audio, and... She's going to be a genius. Maybe. I mean, she kind of, she is already. Yeah. I mean, it's not like she's out of this world, but we just got her report card and her teacher comments and all of that, and it's like she... Yeah, because not only the amount of reading and listening in her room, in her space, also when she's out in the world, the amount of listening that Mm. she does to the adults around her. Mm. And we haven't been all the places that I want her to experience or seen as much as one can in this world, but she's had a lot of varied experiences and heard a lot of people's opinions and... And she's taking it all in. So in that way, good ingredients. Yeah. For sure. But I would say she she needed, sometimes she needs to go to school two hours late. Or she needs to say she can't hang out with these friends. Like Mm -hmm. she has to create these spaces for herself. And at the moment, I'm still there like helping her to do that. But yeah, it, it felt like this moment the other day where it was like, no, I'm teaching this person how to... Something that she'll, a tool that she's going to need for the rest of her life. Not just how to be polite and the Mm -hmm. stuff of like the little kids that's so basic, but like this super specific to her and and tools that she's going to need for in dealing with in high school and, and just in life. So I'm noticing these moments kind of open up for like, these are boundaries you're going to have to set for yourself. This is your frame, James, or... Sasha has other, Sasha has a whole different personality, (laughs) which again is like, that's one of the fun things about having these kids. Uh They're so different. Uh And yeah, just like the play, you put these seeds in and put the right, try to water and get it the right sun and 
fertilize once in a while and they just grow into something that I could never have expected. Mm -hmm. So I think that is, yeah, maybe one of the reasons too, I feel this level of ease that we were talking about earlier. It's like so many of these things I've planted and nurtured have grown into their own, really with their strong roots, with their blossoming limbs, whether it's marriage, my children, my yoga studios, and friendships and family. Like, they're just needing this bit of tending that leaves me with much more internal time and space. That feels really good. That brings us back to the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming here and, like, drawing some of this out. It's, like, so... I feel like there has been space in this time, too, for such reflection. Mm -hmm. And I turned 40 this year, too, so it is this kind of... Often it's been called this midway marker. I'm sort of planning, hoping to go to 100, so... I think you'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, you do yoga and by the way, you eat. (laughs) Well, they say, but, you know, there's so many things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of those things are so that maybe I have the chance... But also, I think this is part of the ease, too. I feel so filled up. Like, I'm not grasping for more things to add in before. You know, it's like, okay, I could could go on now. Or I feel kind of complete. I mean, maybe it's just going to take a whole other turn. The second portion or second two-thirds of my life are going to be totally... Something totally different. I don't know. But... I, you know, a lot of things are really, the garden is really planted. So it's just kind of like tending. Yeah. If you could pick a word for this year, for your intention or your focus, what would it be? The coming year? Mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. I mean, I would like to, I mean, something has definitely died with the closing of the physical space of Yogala. And I would really like to kind of, I mean, on this garden theme, blossom kind of came to mind. Like, is there some area, I don't know whether it's another studio in LA or it's one of the things I thought about so much in closing that studio was like, what comes in when so much of my attention is not going there? When that kind of spaces opened up and it was pretty scary to think about and now the studio is not gone there is still this thing happening and there is a possibility of reopening or opening some other version but I'm still there was the fear around that space and also the kind of excitement and also the curiosity like what happens and and in that kind of tending and in the home care is part of maybe what this next chapter is. I mean, we bought this place for a home for our family, but also with the intention that it could could and would be for other people too. Like it's a fairly large property. It goes down and many other things could be built or done here. And in and we've had some retreats and 
kind of yoga related offerings happen here it does feel good for it to just be a family home at the moment but the kids are growing so fast Mm. and it takes a long time to cultivate land like this that is so raw I mean something that came up so strongly and this is kind of basic but especially in this pandemic time and in a moment when I was like, oh, what am I going to do yeah. without yoga? You know, yeah. and it's like, actually, I got plenty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but in that kind of moment when, like, I was closing, uh-huh. like, there was still this kind of adrenaline of working so much. Mm-hmm. And I've been working so much throughout the pandemic. And it was clear to me, I didn't know what was going to happen with in-person yoga for the near and distant future, but... People were, so many people were needing a place to be in nature and far away. So I was, what can I build here? You know, and I was like, maybe I'll turn my attention towards getting a proper cabin built here. And I got really into so many amazing, like prefab. Yeah, the container homes. Container, I mean, yeah, like there's container, I mean, there are containers from the like shipping containers that option there's this other this company that i kind of like zeroed in on as being like the one that i would love is called den outdoors and they have some scandinavian style like they're they're not exactly prefab but they're it's inexpensive to buy the design you buy the design Mm -hmm. and then they tell you exactly what to get for for building materials and then you could hire people or kind of build yourself i don't do so much building but nick is excellent and and loves it He's a really become a really skilled craftsman and redone done almost everything in this house on his own and can build anything. Anything. So he's very busy with his other work right now, which he's really dived into, but he's capable and, and wanting when he has time. They're a big project, and they're it's expensive, and permitting here is tricky, uh, you know. So I am a little bit back to, like, should I put up another big bell tent and make that nice mm-hmm. and have that available for people for fairly inexpensive mm-hmm. for now, just to, kind of as a way to start and kind of just... And also, plenty of other things came in, and I realized I don't need an immediate, huge, expensive project yeah. to pour myself into. I like that idea, though. Yeah. I mean, it's not, like, as dynamic as owning a yoga. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of smaller to me than a big outward kind of work. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it could be really rewarding and... Passive you know, income. Make sense and yeah. be financially. Yeah. And I'm so down with p- passive income. Yeah. And yoga never was like that. But like I said, I enjoyed the work so much. Mm-hmm. And I've never made much money on it. But I needed what I what we did make or I did make. But I didn't have to show up. To, wasn't that I had to be in an mm-hmm. office every day. I love being my own boss. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that side of things. Because, yeah, what I'm realizing is there's so much to do that's not outward work. Yeah. So to have passive income that would allow that to... This is a little blurb I'm having where, like, I'm, you know, yoga is still happening and I'm still having some income from that. But I don't have 
a trust fund. No one else. I'm not. We're not getting money anywhere except where we're creating yeah. it. So that's important. And I was just feeling more anxious about that too. I was mm-hmm. like, if yoga goes away, where's where are we getting money? Mm-hmm. And Nick works, of course. But that may be where I turn my attention next. What I'm kind of concerned about in the moment is there's like enough going on with yoga and enough going on in other places that I'm not feeling super motivated to put my attention there. But I'm also just like, maybe there's just a little wintering happening. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's another thing that I've kind of felt like in this time where there's not so much outward scheduled stuff happening. And it's like, oh, I can seize these waves of energy to garden, Mm -hmm. you know, or I really don't want to deal with like a bunch of this paperwork. And then this wave comes and I just seize it and I get on it and Mm -hmm. it gets done. Or even things like going to the grocery store where I'm like, and then just this little opening happens and I just seize it and go. So I trust that will happen too. Yeah. Right? This kind of moment will present itself. But in the meantime, there's so much, yeah. I have some little olive trees to plant. Oh, what do you have going here? What's in your garden? Well, a lot of lavender. Uh I mean, a lot of things that work well here because there's there's a certain amount of tending I can do and then there's a certain amount of just, you've got to do this on your own. And that's like true for all of these things, right? That we've been talking about. So yeah, the lavender sage, Mexican sage and like, California sage maybe I'm not sure exactly those are all good to prevent fires too aren't they I think so I mean I think they're they're drought tolerant so the first year that they're in the ground what I've learned and it's very obvious to most anyone who's done any of this before is like they need to be watered the first year and they need to like get settled but after that they they are kind of sustained by the environment. Mm. So maybe in some of these smaller gardens by the house and things, we have, I put some irrigation and they probably will be watered here and there, but once they're established, they're pretty good. And the same, the olive trees are like that too. So we have one olive tree in a container and then I bought two little ones. Mm. So I don't have a master plan of the place and neither does Nick and we couldn't come to an agreement on one even if we did. So it's a little bit just like, okay, try this Mm -hmm. piecemeal, push it out a little bit. Uh Even just in being here a couple of years and then same with seeing what happened at Yogalar with the kids. It's like these things take hold and then they take on this life of their own and pretty soon you have this whole beautiful garden, right? And really being and staying somewhere for a while allows that to happen too mm-hmm. in a way that I hadn't experienced so much before because I was. And then a long time living in other people's homes, like literally living with family for years. So not really having the space to, you know, those those were homes that they had lived in for mm-hmm. 30 years that had gardens. And so really... Yeah, there's, I'm definitely cherishing that, like, putting my things in and really surprised at how quickly, I mean, quickly the years go by, but also quickly these things, like, find their way. 